Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 119, and it is with Stacy Manning. When I was in Seattle last week, I went to her house in Burien and sat down and had a chat with her. Uh, she is a editor and a contributor for a site called Them Before Us. She and I had spoken before. Um, I had recorded an interview with her, a conversation with her uh, last year, I believe it was. And a lot of the stuff she brought up, I just, I wasn't really, I would say, prepared for. Um, I just didn't have the background or the knowledge. And normally that's, that's okay. Um, because I, you know, I learn as I go always in these conversations, but with the conversation with her, I really wanted to know more. And so I asked her if she would be comfortable with another conversation. So we scrapped that old one and started afresh. And, uh, this is that conversation. Uh, she was kind enough to, uh, bring me into her home and, and we sat and chatted for about an hour um, them before us, their their primary directive um, is, I, I would say advocacy is a good word. Uh, they believe strongly that children have rights to uh, not have those rights usurped by the desires and wants of adults. For example, uh, adoption, surrogacy, in vitro, that kind of stuff. Um, in their perspective, the child doesn't get the say as far as whether or not they come into the world or who their parents are going to be. And them before us folks uh, believe strongly in the mother-father parenting and that sort of thing. Um, it's a really interesting conversation, especially because I personally um, don't agree with a lot of what uh, Stacy had to say. And what I loved about the conversation is that it, that's okay. Um, she knows her mind. She was perfectly happy to sit there and, and talk with me about everything that she and her organization, uh, believe in. And I loved it. I mean, if nothing else, it's a great lesson in being able to sit down with people whom you may not see eye to eye with, but that doesn't mean that you have to scream and yell or any of that. I, I find Stacy delightful. She's quite bright. She's funny. <laughs> you know, I just, this is one of my most favorite things about this uh, podcast is that I get to sit down with people that, that are differing views and that we can actually have a, a healthy, interesting conversation. So anyway, that being said, uh, the usual suspects, uh, podcast places for the podcast. You know where to find it. Uh, HeyHumanPodcast.com. If you want to go to the official website, there's a links page with lots of information, um, tons of info on the website itself. Uh, I'm now on Spotify. It's very exciting. Hey Human is uh, has been added to the Spotify roster, so that's cool. And um, Oh, if you shop on Amazon, go to the Amazon portal on heyhumanpodcast.com. It helps support Hey Human when you shop through the Amazon portal. And as always, you can email me, susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. Uh, really, that's that's all I got. Uh, let's, let's just get to it, shall we? Thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word. And uh, here we go. 
Stacy Manning, welcome to Hey Human. Thank you for having me. Welcome to my home. Thank you. The beautiful Burien, Washington. I all like right. all your artwork. Thank you. I am a collector, clearly. A collector, um, a yard sale, estate sale collection is my game. Okay. Actually. Yeah. It's a it's a cool mixture of old and new, and uh, um, what is the word uh, like the fifties era too? What is? Uh, Mid century. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Here, which is cool. I like that. I think eclectic is better because it's more to look at. <laughs> <You know laughs> well, I mean? it, it's um. It's more opportunity, that's for sure. I'm more of an opportunist uh, mm. decorator than a uh, slave to mm-hmm. anything. If it's cool and I like it, well, I'm that way too. I don't, I don't really care if something, it looks, if something moves me, I'm gonna get it. Right, well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, within reason, obviously. Right. Yeah. So luckily, I, pretty simple girl. I have a recurring dream that I buy a, a house. And unbeknownst to anyone, there's that extra room that is filled to the brim with like curiosities or like a mid-century time capsule or it. it, You'll be smog, the the dragon, all your treasures. Yeah, exactly. My my treasure (laughs) trove. Yeah. Hobbits to find. (laughs) That would be cool. Um, uh, There are a couple. uh, Michael Stipe of REM had a secret room for his very lovely art collection. Really? I know this because when I graduated from college, I was a, a claims manager at an um, at a inland claims insurance company and while well, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life and Michael Stipe's art collection was on our I see. I don't know if I'm breaking a law by telling you this and all the people listening, I but you know what? Anyone. I think it's okay. <laughs> Anton LaVey from the Church of Satan also. We uh, ha- we took care of his artwork as well. Is he still kicking? He died. No, he died. No. He passed away. I think he had... Did he die of cancer? I should know this because I interviewed um, Ruth Waits from the Church of Satan, who was delightful. Um, yeah. Are they still kicking it down in San Francisco in that Oh, they're everywhere. House, the, the, oh, like the LaVey oh, You know, I bet it's... I don't know if it's, but I'm guessing it's probably still up yeah. and operational and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I've never seen the house. Have you? Yes. Cool. Is it cool? So is it yeah. a tourist attraction? I, we just went by it. Oh, okay. Um, I, bet, I bet they've done something to keep it. I bet. I think it's where... In the family, as it were. Yeah. You know, a walking <laughs> tour in uh, San Francisco. Self-guided, of course. Let's just walk around. Yeah. It's easy to do there. Although that is the only city I've ever been in where it truly is uphill both ways. It is. Holy crap. I I was just there over the weekend. um, And which when this comes out, that will be a reference to a little bit further back, but it doesn't matter. I walked miles and miles and miles and it seemed as if every hill was only up. It's like an Escher. (laughs) Like when do I get to go down (laughs) these hills? Oh, somebody's coming to the door. Oh, it's my son. Okay, so we've got kids, we've got dogs. This is a, this is an active home, and that's good. I your poodle Sasha is right by my side. She she's reading the fact that I'm a dog person. She's so regal, this dog. I know. I I really am. I really am captivated by the the poodle breed. We we will represent everywhere. I I think I'll have a poodle for the rest of my life. She's I actually long legged. She's watching her run is gazelle yeah like that's what it's like when i run just, I, I, I bet just, i'm just saying you guys would be an amazing match tracking down the road she and you. i should go running and the end of a movie with the sunset 
I think that's a, would be a beautiful. She, she's all yours because I won't I won't be running with her ever. I'm not not much of a runner. She's myself. got really long legs. Mm-hmm. She probably um, she probably goes pretty fast. This one. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the she's people actually, are like, what? She's actually <laughs> caught a squirrel. Really? Yes. What'd she do with it? Panicked. Okay. But. I mean, I, no, none of rab- us. Any rabies shots after that? No. no, no, none of us thought that she would ever catch a squirrel, n- including herself. But, you know, it's probably, squirrel. It's probably exciting. It was really exciting. And the kids were screaming, you know, no! And, and I was screaming no, and she was, she was confused. Like, and so crap, she I caught it. dropped it, and off it ran. Oh, well. Hot, hot damn. It's a good game of chase. Like You're not supposed the, to catch the squirrel. Well, if she had been a cat, she would have just eaten it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Or a Rottweiler or something. Anyway, onward. So, uh, I have known you for a very long time. Um, and, but through the, you know, not in constant contact, obviously, but through the powers of social media, mm-hmm. we reconnected. Um, uh, and I actually, I'm just to let the folks listening know. Uh, we did an interview uh, or a conversation. I don't really like to call them interviews, but we did a conversation over uh, Skype. And I, since I was going to be in town, I thought, you know what? Let's just let's just do it in real life. So here we are <laughs> in real life, in the matrix of the real life. Um, one of the things that really... So our conversation that we had before... Um, it was more like reconnecting and saying, so what's up with your life? What are you doing now? That kind of thing. But we got on to an interesting topic. Um, and that's what I want to talk about, if you're down for it. And that was uh, the topic of adoption. Mm. So I'm going to let you sort of talk about your stance, because I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth. Where are you in terms of that topic? Well, um I, I am really passionate about surrogacy and um, the commodification of children. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I am. Uh, I, I, that's interesting that you you took adoption out of our conversation. Um, uh, adoption. I think we talked about it a lot in that. Did we? Yeah. Okay. Um, my my stance on adoption and it, it's a, a beautiful thing but it doesn't come without its um, damage, you know. Well, let's you're... take it back then, yeah. since, since that's sort of an, uh, a, a branch of the tree. Mm-hmm. Let's start at the roots. Let's, let's go from there. So surrogacy is the root? Yeah, I would say children's rights Okay, are, is, so let's start the from root. there. All right, yeah. what is your stance? Um, uh, it, it, if it's it, probably evolving, but it, it in is. general. It is. You know what? Uh, back, gosh, 10 years ago, um, I thought, well, of course, surrogacy um, is a beautiful thing for a woman who can't get pregnant, right? And here we are, you know, a decade later, and we are manufacturing and trafficking in little humans where um, we know for absolute sure that a child growing up without either its mother or its father has a diminished outcome when you're looking at statistically, how, how well they do uh, socially, depression, drugs, alcohol, all the social ills, right? So we know this. Um, and we know fatherless homes are a blight. We know kids desperately need both a mother and a father. Yet, 
on the other side, we are wantonly manufacturing children, virtually guaranteeing, guaranteeing that they won't have a relationship with either their biological mother or their biological father. Okay, so first, who is, who's the we? What is the research? Where, oh, where are uh, we getting that from? Uh, I work with a website called Them Before Us. Them Before Us. Thembeforeus.com. It's a clearinghouse of uh, all of the studies. It's We're trying to make it the place where you can go to seek out um, any of the data that you want, the personal stories. Um, it's Does it represent both sides or simply the sides of the people that believe that... Children. Certain... It represents children's rights and children's desire. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not really... We're not really... Um, our concern is sacrificing the need, the needs that children have to satisfy the desires of adults is entirely out of sync. You mean wanting to be parents? Right. Okay, so this isn't like a gay straight thing. This is a simple, any child being implanted in it or any egg sperm combo being implanted in another person. It's that, that implantation that you are... It's that, it's that, it's the, um, and then the it's divorce and it, it certainly has to do with lesbians or gays raising children. They're, they're the major market for, um, for the surrogacy, mm. uh, industry, which is what it is. Um, not to say that any gay or straight couldn't be an awesome parent, but a child needs the complementary male and female for the for the child's well-being and it it's one after another you know it's the stories after the stories after the stories of the pain and the heartache that these commodified children go through and the conflicted nature of how, how they're growing up because it does it's not just love it's not just because I was so wanted the the needs of the children are entirely absent from the conversation um, any glowing article that you read about, oh, it's so wonderful how uh, Joe and Jack were able to finally, you know, get a child. But, but we already know that a child growing up without a mother, that's devastating. And, well, unless your mother's a terrible mother. You know, it's always the, like, you know, it, it, this world has crap and brokenness all over the place. You know, hundred percent. Um, but maybe not statistically hundred percent. <laughs> that meant I agreed with you. <laughs> well, it's it's never it's never going to be. But we can't we can't make we can't make social policy on um, on the individual failings of individual people mm-hmm. when we look at the greater good mm-hmm. of two people living together, loving one another creating a family and mm-hmm. raising those children. So in your belief system, you don't think a gay couple and or a lesbian couple or non-binary, whatever, any of the things that there are, that they, um, that even if they were to give unconditional love and support to a child, it's still an ill-conceived idea in your, I just want to make sure I'm getting it. It is, it is. Um, and the... Be- because of the, the male-female yeah. Okay. Definitely. What Definitely. about the children? So, 
Now, okay. mind you, mind you, in the in you know, if I were in the uh, if I were the boss, and a child, wait, you're not the boss. <laughs> I read well, your Facebook posts. I know. <laughs> well, you know, you're the queen of all you survey. A, li- a little, de- you know, self-deprecating as as I can be. No, I I'm I would never I would never uh, say that a child. Um, you know, institutionalize a child versus, you know, place them like in an adoption situation or a foster situation with a lesbian couple or a gay couple. Um, there's a hierarchy, mm-hmm. but if there's, a, if there's a, a straight couple available, that would be the best placement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for certainly babies, you know, I mean, you have to triage these things. We're talking about, we're talking about human beings that, um, and, I, and I very firmly believe in the complementary nature of men and women. We just bring different things to the table. And it doesn't matter how, like, um, different personalities where you would, like, assign, well, that's more masculine and that's more feminine. No. I, it, it, that's across the board. The, the very way that we are made, our chemistry, our... Uh, our strength ability, you know, our, our chromosomes, these things. They're, you know, when you when you pull back a little bit further, and you look at the human body, and and you identify the organs, they can all work on their own, right? They do exactly what they're supposed to do, in and of themselves. Only the sex reproduction organs require the counterpart to actually realize what they were intended to do. That's to make babies. You mean making babies? You're not talking about. I'm not talking about sex. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm. It's sex. Okay. Sex is for making babies, in the biological sphere. Um, I think that matters. I know it matters, um, and it's it's certainly to be celebrated. This is not to say that I don't think that lesbian couples can have a wonderful life together. I I'm quite libertarian about the whole thing. I I would rather the government not be anywhere close to marriage and marriage be in the church and social contracts be what they are. Um, But when we start making public policy and when we start to erase the difference between men and women, um, the outcropping is trafficking in in babies. It's trafficking in children. Mm -hmm. So you... I'm, I'm just, I'm going to keep asking questions. I'll make sure I understand you. Um, yeah. So I, this is what I love about talking with you is because I don't agree with you on almost everything you've said, <laughs> which is great. You know, the fact that we can talk about this um, other than, you know, biologically, yes, I guess the pieces do fit together and make babies, but I also, you know, I'm a fan of sex for just for having it. Um, uh, as I'm sure you are too. Love sex. Yeah. Okay. There we are. <laughs> There's two things we agree on. No. <laughs> um, I, I think I must. I might be slightly confused. So um, you would prefer? Okay. Surrogacy. Absolutely. 100%. No. Correct. Okay. Adoption. Because there's clearly a lot of kids out there. Adoption. Yeah. Uh, better with a heterosexual couple adopting. Yes. Still okay with? Uh... I think it depends on the the age of the child. You know, mm-hmm. if we're if we're dealing with a kid that is past, you know, one to three, right? Mm-hmm. When all the groundwork is really 
really laid. So you're so, so that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. All the ground and I'm sorry, I don't usually like to interrupt, but no, that okay. I don't the groundwork. The attachment. So you don't you don't think it's healthy or let me rephrase that. Yeah. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you think it's healthy uh for uh, a non hetero couple to raise up a baby because you think that they'll somehow rub off on them? Or I'm not sure no, where no, that's no. coming from. Mother and father attachment, um, male and female influence, uh, connectivity between the mm-hmm. mother and the father. Um, you know, just the imprinting on mm-hmm. the child. I mean, if we're talking about a little baby that needs to be needs a, a home and a family, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that a male-female home is the best environment for that child. Do you believe that regardless of if one of the parents is a terrible parent? They wouldn't. If we're talking about adoption, um, we're looking at a vetted, background-checked home study. The things that the government requires of adoptive parents to go through. Sadly, it's not always 100% effective because there are plenty of stories of adoptive parents and foster parents who are monsters. Very so. true. And mm-hmm. biological parents who are monsters too. Very, very true. Yeah. Um, and I know, of course, nothing But this nothing isn't is about emotions. You're talking more about imprinting. Um, I'm talking about the, the myriad things we don't, that we can't manufacture um, in the dynamic between a male and a female. Mm-hmm. That that's singular. But for older children. Older children need a home. So you're okay with... If I were boss, yeah, yeah. And I think it's an individual basis, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, some kids are... That's going to be super for. What's the age that you feel is the, the starting point where they get to... That, that you would be comfortable with that placement? I don't know. I think it depends on the individual kid. Yeah. Because, you know, okay. people are, kids are just so different and everybody's just so different. And what, what happened to them as a child and why are they in such a broken situation? Why do they need a home, you know? Um, are you pro-choice or pro-life? I don't believe that abortion is appropriate at all. So that's not answering my question, though. Well, I don't think... Because a lot of people don't necessarily either want an abortion or would you know think an abortion should ever happen but they're still pro-choice do you know what i mean there's like a no i am uh well i don't think i think the choice is made when you decide to have sex and sex is baby making and so with if you're going to make the choice to engage in baby making activity there are consequences to that and um an innocent child should not bear the consequences of a choice that you already made Okay, so that means you are pro-life. Yes, okay. but I can't stand the pro-choice thing because it is it inevitably, um, it, it, I don't accept the premise. I'm, I'm pro-choice for a woman to decide whether she's going to have sex with some guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe she, you know, we would have fewer children in a situation where they needed help if we had more women taking more seriously sex being a baby-making activity instead of a Oh, it's interesting that you're putting activity. the onus on the women. And, and oh, it is, but we're we're the ones with the wombs. It is more on us. I'm too done with this womb. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, nice. um, what about in cases of rape? Yeah, I'm gonna just poke the stick at you because I think this is a really interesting conversation. So. Yeah, you know, I know it's it's um, rape, and I should have. Uh, I didn't know where we were gonna go with this, so. Um, I feel you're prepared, though, so... Uh, adequate, uh, fairly. Um, 
the numbers of women who are raped and impregnated are incredibly small. And again, that's not what I asked though. What do, you know? I'm going to have to say that I don't I don't believe in abortion even in this even in the case of okay. rape. All right. That's because fair. again, you know, it'd be it, it's not like a uh, it's kind of a life. No, it's a it's a human and it the circumstances were horrible. Um I I can tell you personally that rape is no fun. When a the woman killing the child for any reason, um, it, it's it's the murder of a human being. Okay. And I think we're gonna look back on this part of our this this celebrate your abortion, you know, shout your abortion like the the proud nature that the zealots have have. I, I mean, it's like well, there's zealotry in everything, unfortunately. But um, this, I don't know the women I know that have have gone through that procedure. We're not shouting it for the rooftops. It was a very daunting decision, and the women I have personally, right, know, right. Although I, I'm, I remember a girl from my high school. Uh, her big sister had several, uh, and I remember thinking at the time, it's not birth control. Like you are making a pretty intense choice right. there. Um, I personally, as you probably assume, am uh, pro-choice. Now, if I were to get pregnant, I don't know what my choice would be. I would probably keep it. I would hope so. But again, in a case of rape or, you know, I, I don't know because I'm not in that moment other than I think I know myself well enough to know would that to happen that that's what I would choose. Yeah. Now, at 19 or 18, who knows? I also had a relatively tumultuous childhood. So, mm-hmm. you know, all these things play into factor. And speaking of childhood, I um, how does that, how does your own childhood fit into where you are now? Like where you said that it was, you were along the way, you had one belief system and then it sort of turned. And I'm curious where that happened. Um, you know, I, uh, I had a rough childhood. Um, not a lot of moral, <laughs> right on sister. Um, not a lot of moral guidance, actually zero, um, moral guidance. Um, oh, if my mother ever hears this, it would probably break her heart. But, you know, the truth is, uh, I was not equipped with the tools that I'm trying to equip my children with. I did not have a, I was not instructed um, with a moral template that I could lay over my life. Mm. And, um, and I was kind of um, untethered you know, (laughs) and I took this job as a concierge, um, and spent my days listening to Dr. Laura. (laughs) I remember Dr. Wait, that's Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Yeah, I remember her. Okay. And she's like conservative talk radio doctor person. Uh, yeah, I would say, but not really a doctor, but I wouldn't say, no, I don't think she was a PhD. Um, but, but truth has a ring to it. And her truth telling and her relationship advice and guidance was like was like coming out of the desert into an oasis of cool water mm-hmm. and and it like yes that is exactly right and in my own head i 
after a short time of listening, I, it, I, it hit the frequency for me mm-hmm. and I knew the answers and it was, it, it, it came from outside of myself. And I thought, my, my God, um, this is the mother that I never had. Mm-hmm. Um, how old were you at that time? Uh, like, gosh, was that like 21, maybe 22? So you're a pretty fully formed human at that point. Totally. But as you said yourself, still seeking. I, no, no, um, no worldview and no concrete worldview. Um, lots of feelings, not a lot of um, logic, lots of emotionalism. Too much time spent in my formative years in fight or flight. I really didn't have the opportunity to ruminate and think um, when, you know, the police were being called again, you know. Uh, police and being called on you or the family? My family. Yeah. You know, we were the domestic, the domestic dispute, and, uh, violence, emotional, emotional, crazy, out of control. We were that family. Um, and... And this was just a this was just a door that was like a swung wide in my brain. The light filled it, and I was so hungry for um, information. I I fed myself steadily on a diet of talk radio. Mm-hmm. Um, l- l- read and learned more about government um, and history than I ever did. Were you feeding yourself from all sides or just from a particular point of view? Well, um, you know, that's that's an interesting question because I I think that there was only one side until conservative radio actually showed up. You know, there's that um, there's seems to be a belief among some people that I have known uh, that when NPR refers to themselves as all things considered that show yeah yeah like they're all things considered right uh that's the truth and then there's like the right-wing people right Mm -hmm. um the media has been so biased on the left to the left for so long that that's just the static and then i i didn't necessarily and of course you know i do i did listen to npr i do listen to npr mostly to educate my children and like quiz them okay what is their premise right why do they think that what assumptions are they making to tell the story in that way how could they have actually you know um headlined that story so it wasn't biased um so it's almost anti-training in a way it was it's definitely anti-training that's a great way to put it Mm um and you know I, i i i didn't listen to music anymore I just, the explosion of the internet, I mean, I spend, I spend my days now, thankfully, listening to um, uh, hours of, of Joe Rogan or uh, Joe. Ben Shapiro or Andrew Clavin, um, David Rubin, um, I mean, hours, uh, hours long, three hour, uh, you know, intellectuals that, that it makes me so happy to know that the uh, short attention spam thing I, I don't think is really a thing anymore when you look at the millions and millions of people that are sitting for three hours and as a podcast host I hope they are <laughs> I, we are I am an I avid have, listener I have no issue my father's hilarious because he, he's never listened to an episode uh, and I was like what not even the one he was on 
<laughs> I said, Dad, what's the deal? And he said, Well, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. <laughs> All right, Dad, that's fine. And it doesn't not. It's not daunting to me to listen to a three-hour podcast. If I have to stop it and come back to it, I'm fine with that. But, yeah, I yeah. love it. Do you? So it's it's an interesting. In my mind, I think there is radicalization on either side of the aisle to mm-hmm. such a fever pitch at this point. And of course, both both sides can't see their nose despite their face. That's a great way, you know, that's a great cliche to throw in there. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate um, because I think there's a lot lost when you stop listening. Right? Yes. I... I... I think it's gone so far that we're not even having we're not even having the no. same conversation. No, we're not. No, I yeah. agree with that. It's three things. Oh my goodness! We are on a roll, girl. Go get the punch card. <laughs> so I, I took us off. I took us off there. No, no, I'm happy to, to to go all over the place. That's what conversation is. So that that's where that's where okay. I came to so like. Right that's where the light went off for me, mm-hmm. and I realized I'm I'm in no way am I liberal. Okay. In no way. So where did it, um, where did the tides turn with the, with the child situation? Well, um, I certainly, uh, well, you're a mom, first of all, I'm a mom. but I feel I'm, like this happened before you were a mother. Yes, it totally did. And I got, I got super lucky to marry, uh, a man who has the, a great head of hair. First yeah, of he really does. And yeah, the skin a, and yeah. the teeth. He's I mean, good looking he's man. Good looking. And the kids. Oh, man. Yeah, that's four things. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he hears this. Um, uh, luckily, our uh, he, he was raised by a single mom. Um, we met very young. I was 19. And uh, we've just really grown together, you mm-hmm. know, as, our, as we've met the things in life. And how old was he when you met? Uh, 20. Three, oh, so right around the same. Yeah, age. it's just it, and some of those same life experiences. Um, single mom, no dad around, and and we definitely wanted to do it right. You know, we were marriage is for the long haul. Sure. Um, if we had kids, ain't nobody getting out of here alive. Um, and. When we did finally conceive, that was one of the first eye-opening things for me that my education about pregnancy and children was misguided. You know, I don't know if you can agree with this, but when we were coming of age, like pregnancy was the end of your life and abortion is the only thing that would save you from the horrors of becoming a mother, God forbid, a thousand times. Or adoption. I think that was the message, too. But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, you know, the social pariahs that were pregnant in high school. Yeah. That... I, I didn't have a high opinion of them. I was drinking the, the, well, of course you have an abortion because, I mean, saddled with a baby, please. Um, you know, you're totally self-absorbed and, you know, ah. Yeah, you're not allowed to be self-absorbed while having children, supposedly. Although, I can name a few parents that have done so. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're all totally failed. Uh, you know, uh, that's where, yeah. Well, so, okay. So, that's interesting to me because having come from, both of you come from single-parent family, mm-hmm. uh, tumultuous, sounds mm-hmm. like, um, it would make sense to me that the opposite of that would be where you are. That ma- it, it makes sense. It, that shaped you, right? That everything shapes us. We are an onion of our life and, you know, every mm-hmm. layer upon layer upon layer. And 
as a direct response to somebody who, if, if I am raised up in that family, um, my response would, I could totally see would go to like, no, the only option is a mother, father, mm-hmm. a stable father, a stable mother, you know, and have that be the upbringing because you didn't have that, mm-hmm. you know, um, now my parents don't listen to this, so I can, I feel, I feel safe <laughs> to say. There's the bus. Go ahead. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, uh, when I was a little girl, my mother and I did not have a healthy relationship at all growing up. And I'm little girl, you know, and sometimes adult girl. Um, and I would pray. I used to write poetry that about, and I mean, I would tell this to her now, but poetry that, she, you know, I was at her funeral and that mm-hmm. my father would meet some hot graduates because he was a professor, you know, some hot graduate chick and fall in love and leave my mom and take me off you know, with them instead. So we so, all have our interesting, our, our backgrounds shape who we are, but I, I'm not in agreement with you on that one, on that thing about that a child needs a, a mother and a father figure. I, I think a child needs love. That's my personal opinion. You know, you should read some of the stories on them before us. I did, the, I did, because yeah. the last time we talked. But see, to that, to that point, I, after we talked and you pointed me to that website and I went through it and I thought, in my humble opinion, it, it's it's geared toward what you believe in, right? And so, yeah. of course, it's going to have information that supports that. But to that end, almost without fail, I do believe in adoption. I think there's far too many children. I'm, you know, and if they can get adopted into homes, then great, because Lord knows the world needs love, and Lord knows we need healthy environments for children. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say 96% of the children that I, or adults, excuse me, that I know who were adopted into beautiful, loving, supportive, healthy homes have a sense of abandonment that they can't put their finger on. And it's really fascinating. And after our initial conversation, mm-hmm. I have asked nearly everyone I have encountered who happens to be adopted and knows it, um, if that were the case, yeah, and without fail, and they all say the same thing. I, I mean, a couple said no, 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 but almost everybody, and I found that fascinating. Yeah, um, and we've been sold that adoption is the, you know, that's the fixer. There you go, and oh my goodness, they chose you. It's our gotcha day, but it's not without cost. Nothing is right, but um, I also believe wholeheartedly that our DNA is. You know, a living, breathing thing, obviously. That's a silly statement because, of course, it is. But I'm saying, like, every molecule of who we are is resonant to who begat us. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that that goes back all the way, like, throughout our entire ancestral line. Mm-hmm. That whatever my great, 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 grand, whomever felt or thought or whatever, that is in my DNA. To that end, I can understand why. Even if I were adopted into a, a loving home, that my DNA was still resonating with a sound that I can't quite find the song to. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. It really is. And so I found that really fascinating. And you know. And so then you take that out too, and you know, and and so take that to a child who, and let me say first, there's um, there's another great clearinghouse that's called Anonymous Us that is another um, surrogacy 
uh, when you say clearinghouse, you're saying like website. a place that people can just come to. Yes, a yeah. website that people can yeah. come to and just spill it out. Um, there's some fascinating dynamics to watch on like Facebook pages where uh, potential surrogacy clients interact with um, children born mm-hmm. of surrogacy, mm-hmm. and it's like they're talking past one another. Mm-hmm. It's um, it, it's it is a fascinating thing to watch because I understand the desire to be a parent desperately. And, and deeply, it was so difficult for us to conceive our mm. eldest. Um, I couldn't even go to Costco and see pregnant women without coming home crying because it was devastating once I decided, yes, I want to have a child. And and all of that, you know, you get pregnant when the wind blows kind of stuff that we were brought up on. Um, and then it's difficult when you're 30. Uh I can understand the desperate desire to have a child. But you had already had the that feeling of no way, no Jose on the surrogacy, right? At um, that point? Were you no, like- no. I, I hadn't really ever considered it because it wasn't really a, a thing, you know? And I would not have done it myself, but I had a friend um, who was considering it because of, you know, conception problems and on and on. Um, and I thought, oh, at the time... I felt a little unsettled about it, but I I hadn't had enough experience. I hadn't worked on so many stories. I hadn't exposed myself to so much um, information. And frankly, we hadn't had enough test tube babies become adults to tell us what the story was. You know, I mean, you can't... I had a guy that was test tube baby on my show. Yeah. a couple episodes back, Kevin. So that's episode 111, and it's uh, Kevin McElroy. Uh, the, the title of the episode is Seeking an Anchor Out at Sea. Mm. So check that one out, because it's really an interesting... Okay. So he didn't know till an adult, as, until he was an adult. And his parents, his mother did in vitro, and the father, his father knew, and, um, but he didn't know. And then the parents ended up getting divorced. But he said that his entire life, he just didn't feel connected to his dad. And he couldn't figure out why. Imagine. And I found that super fascinating. That That is a story that, that plays out over and again. Um, I know this gentleman, his name is Nick. He's on our, he's on our board. And um, he was the... So his mother... Couldn't conceive with his father. His father was a long-haul truck driver. Mm. And she decided to go to the uh, surrogacy clinic, whatever it's called, the egg donation or sperm donation. She picked herself out a genius. You know, you got to have the the genius. And um, what what the implantation, what the doctors did not tell her was that Mr. Genius was the father of like 50 or 60 children and he also was schizophrenic and wow they should have screened that out yeah uh, they just don't they just you know the profit motive Mm. is significant and I mean if you've got this IQ well okay um because mental illness and high IQs tend to go hand in hand they do indeed (laughs) there is there is so often that that opposite so you know, that's another important point about surrogacy. Um, had, her, had his mother met this guy, 
the interaction between them, the chemistry, the the resonance between them, she, she would have said, "My God, I right. this she this will. is not yeah. potential father material. All of the important this and that is taken away right. from from making babies out of people that would not make babies together." Where they were actually interacting and social. You bring up a really interesting biological point because, for example, we our our siblings mm-hmm. smell weird to us. Like, like, oh, you're ripe, brother Jeremy. You know, go take a shower, whatever. Right. There's a biological reason for our direct relations to have a pungency to us or a something. It's so that we don't fuck them. Right, right. <laughs> my husband, I knew. If we run into them randomly, if we never met, like if I never met my brother Jeremy, right. let's say he got adopted into a different family or whatever, and we were to come upon each other, um, and there would be something repugnant. about. We may be friends, or but there would be something repugnant sexually. Mm-hmm. In theory, now, that isn't to say that it doesn't happen where incestuous happenings from people that have never met and then come together and mm-hmm. find, oh my God, we're brother and sister or father and daughter that does happen uh-huh. but that's a that's a misfire and that's, it could be and it could be that you know you meet your sister you are bonded. confused about the way that reason the you're bond. attracted to them god you're so much like me you do this you do right. that sure. oh my god and right. so biology does set it up so that we 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 have those parameters and i <clears throat> to your other point about the the person that's donating to several hundred children or whatever and I, a friend of mine who's very very bright had donated sperm in college to the tune of oh, many 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 recipients and I think to myself well sheesh man that kind of when you're moving out in the world especially in a town this is in Chicago so um the likelihood of you running into somebody you're related to and then what happens if that's yeah. why they used to get blood tests so right before you got married was to make sure you weren't related my and they don't i don't think they require that anymore so but that is why that that original requirement was to make sure yeah so you know i every once in a while uh i run into someone and they say oh my gosh you look exactly like my friend so-and-so you know Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. okay i mean we're all connected right we're we are all of the same we're all coming from the same basic place so the fact is we are all related but i'm talking about hyper related right so nick the um the donor conceived for Mm. from the schizophrenic he also had the same story um so not only did he not have that connection with his father Mm. but he was infinitely brighter than his father so it it I bet that went over well. It went over horribly. Yeah. And and he spent his entire, you know, 1 to 18 never having a connection with his father. And as he grew older, um, the the ire between the two of them only increased because this man has a, another man's son living in his house who runs intellectual circles around him and is also mentally ill. Yeah, that's a tough combo. Man. And, you know, you don't, you just don't... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough combo. And there is something to be said, too, that in, like, I think about my childhood and my issues with, with mom and stuff, and, but she's mine. Yeah, and you chose, in, in your, in your mind, your father met another woman. So, you know, whatever your, your heart desired a relationship with a female in a mother role that was better better than yours. 
you know? I mean, that's what the fantasy was. My parents have been married for a very long time. Right. You know, and... But so. I guess I guess my point is, in your in your fantasy, it was another woman. That would raise me up? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because it's important. It's yeah. just important to have, uh, you know... But I didn't feel, uh, you know, there... there the lack of bonding with a with a genetic parent can also be devastating. I know. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that too, and you know, mm-hmm. right? Because you didn't have it with your father. Oh, you know, I did have it with my father, and um, that's what was so devastating. Oh, I thought you were not really. Oh no, um, I was so much like my dad, so much more like my dad, and then my mom. Um, uh, when he finally died, it was I had already experienced his death. You know emotionally it was just the the final the final death of all hope that he would ever um come out of his you know self-destructive tailspin that we would ever have a relationship here um it and that's that adds to my story of why you know i i think it's so important mother and father um even when even when the father fails, you know. Mm. Um, now, I think I asked you this in our last conversation, and I, I'm, and I think I remember what you answered, but for their benefit of, of listening, um, let's say your children grow up, mm-hmm. and one of them, you have two boys and a girl, one of them comes to you and says, Mom, I'm gay, mm-hmm. or I'm a lesbian, um, and I've fallen in love, mm-hmm. we're going to get married, so far, you're with me. Everything's okay? I, I, my children are my children. Right, I, okay. I'm devoted so, to them. Right. Yeah. Their happiness is paramount. And then, let's say, they say, I want to have a kid. Well, then. Where are you in that mix? Then, the relationship, that the child's needs are more important than your desires. You would try and talk them out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I would show them. And you know, I would I would say, first and foremost, you absolutely have the right to be married to a woman or a man, depending on which kids we're talking about here. Um, but you don't have the right to children. It's not a right. Mm-hmm. And you can live your life in in any way that you choose that doesn't harm another. But the moment that you inflict your choices on somebody else without the very best of intentions, you are, you are failing. You are failing uh, to live a good and decent life. It's a really interesting philosophical argument. I'll give you that. Oh, it's a... Do you read also the stories of happy adoptees and happy surrogacies, or do you pretty much stay the path of the unhappies? Well... Just around your wheelhouse. I think there's... I... Uh, there's so many unhappies. That's not my question. Well, well no. No, I... I the, yes, it's a really, it's just yes or no. I mean, do you, do you feel like you are taking in as many stories? There's, or are, are there... there's not a lot of them. Okay, I mean, they don't right. get online and say, I am the happiest person okay. in the world. Yeah, okay. You know, you get the, you get the self-reporting um, families. My child is doing the very, very no, best. I, I meant from the person, the, the actual they don't. They don't get on... You know, and like, there's not a same level. Of... They don't have. They don't need a safe space to talk about their true feelings mm. of, 
you know, anger and frustration okay. and, and longing mm-hmm. because they, they're not experiencing that. The volume of, of kids that are experiencing it, it's, there's, there's so many. Right. I, I do believe that this, it is, it's a hard planet. Let's just get that out of the way. This, yes, this planet is. is very hard. Self-identity is, can be very confusing at best. Just growing up, let's just say cis-normative, like you growing up with all the, the, the quote-unquote parameters that society requires of you. It's hard. Um, and you're still, there's so much self-loathing and doubt and who am I, and you're trying to mirror and figure out who you are. And that's the best case scenario. <laughs> right, I know. You know? You know, the, we go the same on divorce. Um, How do you mean? We don't, well. Oh, meaning you would never get divorced. Uh, on their on our site on them before us. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, you get married, you stay married, and you do right by your children. You know. What about in cases? I'm gonna devil's advocate you again. Sure, in cases of abuse. Yes. Of course, you remove yourself from the situation. Okay. Um, but and you your know, children. Uh, abso- absolutely. Um, but did you know that most divorces are initiated in by women in low conflict relationships? Because they're bored? I think that they have an unrealistic expectation of what marriage is. I think human beings have an unrealistic expectation. But I, I mean, I could see that. Yeah. I, I do think here, I mean, we are kind of going again in another direction, and that's fine. Uh, I that think I, this is all pretty it's related. All connect, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, but I'm just, I think that a lot of people look at love as sold by the fairy tale. Yep. Sold by the fairy tale. And, and, in, tr- in my truth, I can't speak for everyone, in my truth, as much as I'd love to, <laughs> in my truth, uh, love is a choice. And you have to decide that every minute. You have to be in it or not be in it, but it's a choice. And it's not going to magically do whatever love is supposed to do, according to Patrick Dempsey. You know, it's just, that's... That doesn't no because love is an action, and I th- yes. I think that it I think that the the it's love language book really nailed it and like what, I'm a big fan of that book by the way so am I because it's spot on even it with, really is. even with the children like uh, we I, all love to explain that to people that that's the love languages are either how we feel loved or how we give love and yes it's, it's, I'll put a link to that book uh, on is it Hendrix. Wrote it. I'll put a link to it on the links page on Hey Him Podcast. It is an exceptional book. And it will really, I think, it will improve any relationship you're in. Definitely. And that's not like a guru-y thing to say. I think it's just, it's like, oh my God, light bulb. It's human nature. I was having a conversation with my children the other day. um, And it went so well, I actually went to each child and had the same conversation. Because it was an aha moment for me. Um, In a nutshell, if you want to know what your partner... Um, spouses, child's love languages, watch what they do to show affection to you. And you will often do what your, what will fill your, what they say, love tank. Um, you will, you will show love to the people that you love in that way, but you might not be speaking their language. If their language is gift giving and you're constantly cleaning the floors, wondering, why don't you notice I'm cleaning the floors? Right. You're just harping because you're not feeling a gift of service. Right. Yeah. Um, and so my daughter, uh, oh, she is just a hugger. The touch, so she's a all gift physical of touch, touch yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. And me, in this season of my life, mama needs service. I, yeah, 
And if the dishwasher has been unloaded, additionally, I have not had to ask for this to happen. I, I can't wait to get my hands on my children because they have clearly demonstrated that they love me. Yeah. If Evelyn, who is very intuitive, sees that mommy's kind of pissy, she wants to give me a hug. I don't want a hug. I want the flipping dishes unloaded, right? right? It dawned on me, oh, yeah. this is the thing. Did and they understand it at their age? Because they're quite young. Did they get... Totally. Totally. I went and Because they're also very bright. They, they are. They are. Their daddy is a, is a very smart guy. Well, you're a smart guy, too. And he, I am. I am. <laughs> and he smells delicious to me, by the way. Um, it's so funny because when I... Things just got weird. <laughs> when, I, when I smelled him for the first time, I can truly say that it smelled like coming home. I totally understand that. The sense of smell, the nape of the neck... <laughs> Amazing. Forget about it. I know, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Well, when I sat down with um, with Evelyn, because it dawned on me that not only did I not want to hug her, I was repelled. I, I wanted to withhold that affection mm. from her. That was my gut instinct because I didn't feel loved, you know? And uh, and when we talked about that, I, I, I asked her to identify what each family member's, what do you think daddy's is? What do you think mine is? And and it really did dawn on her, and it dawned on her so profoundly that I went straight to the eldest's room and had the exact same conversation with him. Um, and he, he totally got it, too. Mm-hmm. And it went down the same path. So, yeah, highly recommended. We it's are, such a good book. It is so good. But the low-conflict marriage thing, um, the divorce is devastating to children, Um Taking one parent out of a child's life and wreaking havoc on children because of your desires, it, it's just not... That's a, such a... To me, that's a super complicated issue, too, because I also think children learn what they see. And so if there's a, if there's a hostile environment, not necessarily physically abusive or, or sexually abusive, because that happens in marriages, too, um, but even a cold front or a, or a lack of respect or... A lack of vulnerability, a lack, you know, all these things that keep a partnership strong, um, they're, they're mirroring that too, right? They're learning that lack of skill. I would say, I, I, yeah, yes. Um, but like you said earlier, how we kind of learned what we didn't want to do from our childhood. We did. Right. But what do, what but do not I, everybody does that. They're, no. That's why they say that history repeats itself, right? That there's to break the circle, break the chain, all but, that stuff. There's reasons for those cliches. Well, there's two things. You can't, you can't make, um, you, you can't be, we can't be the smartest people in the room. You know, that's how we, we are up. right now. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> figuratively. Although the dog is quite bright, I can she, tell. She is. Mensa dog, right there. Mensa dog. Um, we, we, it, that's, that's the slippery slope of, yes, I know what to do better for myself, but my neighbors, God in heaven, they need my, my exceptional decision making, right? Mm-hmm. That's how we end up um, losing our, our freedoms to. Oh, it's not very libertarian of it, you. Right? It's totally libertarian of to, me. To, to want to take over your neighbor's life? No, I'm saying, I'm saying not. That's but, the thing. Right. Like, I, was, I was saying your, yes. the character you were being was not libertarian. That is not libertarian. Yes. Okay. I just, that I was it's a very confusing moment. Characterization only. <laughs> um, I, we can't make the same, uh, uh, mistake saying, oh, well, we know what's up, but other people, you know, they need our help managing their lives. You know, we're, we're all just making it through. Um, the people that have the cold front, um, 
the the subtle emotional abuse, all the crap that you were uh, describing in marriages that they are staying together, quote, for the children. Well, they're not actually adulting, are they? They're, they're, I don't want to say worship, but their love of their negativity and their pride about making the marriage work is more important than actually making the marriage work, right? You can't make a, if you're going to, that stay, is well, that's well said. Yes. If you're going to stay together for the children, mm. you have to you have to be all in. You have to do the work. Right. You. It's because it's not about you. It's Hist- about the children. Historically, human beings are not great at doing the work. <laughs> no, totally not. But I think that we can have expectations that we will fall short of. Sure. But but we can all acknowledge, you know, stop being a dick. Yeah, I did this thing. Um, I. Uh, I sat down and I made a list of uh, past little vers, right? I, and I was curious. I thought, all right, I'm going to write down these guys' names. I'm going to look at the list. And I'm going to write down the attributes of their personalities, what I was drawn to, what repelled me in the breakup, you know, that kind of thing. Because I wanted to see if I was repeating myself. In some cases, I was. I wanted to see what I brought, like what my shit was that I was bringing um, that I was trying to figure out because I do think that a, as you're trying to figure out who you are, you repeat a lot of the same stuff that represents whatever damage your parents and you decided to inflict upon each other. Um, and it was really fascinating to see the growth, thank God, um, but also to see like where I was culpable mm-hmm. and what I what I continually allowed. Oh, this is very like wildly mature of you to do. <laughs> Have moments here and there. That's, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, and I actually kept that list. I have it, and I look at it from time to time. Um, and it really is. It's really fascinating to see that. But you have to be so freaking truthful with yourself. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. Right. You know, if you don't. Um, the biblical people would say, you know, before you start talking about the little sliver in my eye, you got to get the log out of the your plank. own, you yeah. know? Yeah, the plank, yeah. whatever it is. That is a great saying. It is absolutely true. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, nobody's perfect, and the ch- children's well-being is just more important than your desires. So, um, it's been a super fascinating conversation. I'm so glad. By the way. I knew it would be. Um, I'm glad that we were able to really narrow and focus on yeah the kids and yeah i mean i understand that that's really the crux of your it is. of your argument um uh i just i'm always and I've, i'll say this a million times again i am always delighted when i can sit down with somebody who i'm maybe i don't agree with i mean you and i agreed on some things but on the whole no but hi welcome to life right so the fact that that we can sit and talk about this stuff and not be psychopathic or scream or because what's the point of that? I, know, I, know. Um, I, I just want you to know that I very much appreciate that because um, it's really important to me. And you know, I, I honor the space. I know that sounds real like touchy feely or whatever, but I do. I honor that space that that is provided in in this. Which, I, I, so I thank love it you. too. I love it too. And you know, I'm happy to. I'm always happy to sit down with somebody who can. And, and unfortunately, it's kind of a rarity. Um, to, to sit down with somebody who can actually hear what I'm saying 
you know. Um, and it's an unpopular viewpoint that I have. Um, but I don't think it's unpopular because of what I've said. I think it's unpopular because of what's said about it. My, um, my more conservative, libertarian um, focus on children is, um, it's because of loving people and wanting the best for people. And I tell you what, if I had my, um, one of my best friends, I'll leave him nameless, if he came to me and said, hey, you know, my husband and I, we're going we're gonna to buy a baby, I would beg and plead for him not to. Um, and I would ask him to consider what parenting is and hopefully we would get to selflessness. And the most selfless thing that you can do, the biggest sacrifice that you can make if you have chosen to be in a relationship that doesn't make babies is to not have a child. That is the, that is the number one sacrifice that you can make on behalf of children. And what are the websites? One more time for people. Ah, them before us. Dot com. Dot com. Any other one? And if you wanted to look around um, at the anonymous us is uh, a place on Facebook, I believe, where... Oh, okay. And, and um, there's, I'll put a, links. there's other couple of groups um, for the surrogacy uh, kids okay. that are, are anonymous that are really interesting if you... If someone wants to reach out to you, uh, thembeforeus.com. Then they just put Stacy Manning. Uh, yeah, okay. it's uh, I'm I'm on the I'm on You're, the page. I'm a content editor. Okay, so they can reach My you that face way. is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. and um, and a number of others. Okay, yeah, great. So. Stacy Manning, thank you for being on Hey Human. I really appreciate it. I'm 